Hello, friends. It's Josh and Kirk We're coming to you on Tuesday night, May 11th. The Mavericks just got absolutely walloped by the Memphis Grizzlies. 133 to 104. Josh, what's up? Uh, nothing much. Um, I don't know why. I think the Mavs have been playing so well that that first half, I was kind of like, uh, you know, Luke will turn it on. Uh, they'll win this game. Like in my head, I was, I didn't say this because you would have gotten really mad at me, but in my head, I was like, oh, they're, the other guys are doing just enough in the first half. Luca just needs to turn it on the second half and, and they sure. got this game. Uh, and Luca did not turn it on. And holy crap, they got their asses kicked. Well, which is so okay, one, but it's disappointing. It is okay. And so, noted friend of the program and also kind of Luca disbeliever, Matt Moore made a point to, to <laughs> remind me of, of the fact that Luca took that really nasty tumble. Um, because Dorian Finney Smith and Dwight Powell are just occasionally, they just remind me of like like children that lose control of their limbs like dorian fell out of bounds getting a steal i still don't understand how he fell out of bounds through kind of a wild pass that that should have been like a crisp fast break pass to either powell or to to luca um and then dwight tipped it after the the grizzlies defender tipped it and then luca like luca ran into him and then tried to save the ball and ran out of bounds and took what what Matt described as like an ECW style like fall like it was gross like the la- it was loud he landed on his hip which I was worried about and that and was pure, up and, pure and, concrete too like nothing yeah. oh, yeah. break the fall and it was far away from the court so it's not like it was anyone's fault like Luke had no right, business right. being over there to be honest <laughs> um, and you know like like i suppose you could kind of you could kind of pass judgment and say all right well he took that nasty hit he never really came back but the the challenge for him and and i'm going to try not to get too revved up about this but the challenge for luca moving forward has to be he has to give a shit when it's not a national television game like we i bet if we went through and looked at the games that were on national tv versus the games that weren't did a win-loss comparison and just kind of a stats and like field goal percentage comparison, he would perform statistically significant in the games that were on, uh, on national TV better. And his next step as, as an evolution and as growing up as a superstar is going to be carrying on these games when the lights aren't as bright. Now, as, as Matt actually responded to me when I tweeted this is, well, you know, this game would have locked them up at the five seed more or less. like it would have given them a huge leg up. And he's right. He's right. But it's tough for me to get super, super pissed when it's their next three games are against teams that are potentially tanking, you know? Yeah. And you look at the Mavericks schedule and if (laughs) outside of the Sacramento losses, um, which is, I can't believe like that has to keep being a qualifier. Like aside from losing to one of the worst teams in the NBA, um, but aside from those last three Sacramento losses, the last team, the last time this Mavs team got thoroughly uh, thrashed was April twelfth against Philly, and otherwise, it's either been you know close competitive losses or the baffling weird no shows against uh, Sacramento. So I mean, they were probably due. Would you uh, qualify to- this as a no show? Because I just think they got their asses handed to them. Yeah, because I think the first half they were competitive. And, I mean, you look up and down uh, the box score, and, I mean, from the game, 
I mean, they got enough contributions from enough non-Luca guys to win mm-hmm. this game. Um, mm-hmm. They Luca was just horrible. Uh, so uh, they were they were there, and then I, you know I think they you know the role players just kind of ran out of steam in the second half. They couldn't do what they did in the first half, and Luca didn't pick up the slack. Uh, and their defense kind of went bye bye, and 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 Memphis kept Memphis was unrelenting. Uh, they did not take their foot off the gas pedal. Uh, well, they're, was, go they're really frightening. Yes, just as a, as a future performing team, this is this might. They're not me, going uh, away. They're not going. This away. might get me killed. But uh, Mavs fans are kind of iffy on Jaron Jackson Jr. If he's able to stay healthy which I think he might be because he's a younger guy. And if he can figure out his fouls, he is what Dallas fans think Porzingis is. He oh, is wow. Awesome. What a take. He shoots better. He's a 40% three-point shooter. He can dribble. He can dribble. He can play defense. He just, you know, he's younger. And he fouls a lot. But anyways, then Ja and the rest of their team is really, really special. Just like just a bunch of guys that, that – they have so many guys who can do so many different things. And it's a game like this one where the Mavericks sort of get, you know, if Luga's not playing top notch, then that means it's like a next man up mentality. And once you kind of get past Brunson and Tim and Tim Hardaway had another incredible game, you know, it's it, guys just kind of fall off. Uh, you know, there's way too much Trey Burke in that game. Uh, there's way too much Trey Burke in that game, which is frustrating. And, it, it, you know, we, we need to talk about Josh Green in a little bit. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm very frustrated by this game in the big picture. I, 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 Memphis is just kind of a a reminder to me of what a team looks like that maximizes their opportunities from the draft. And it, it, it's frustrating because I'm like thinking ahead to years down the road because like John Moran hasn't looked the same since his ankle sprain and is still outstanding. And so it's just that, that game was like a quicksand one where I suppose there's there's something to the fact that Luca like they pulled Luca early in the fourth and he you know sat and and you know he didn't have to like grind out a 37 minute game or a 42 yes. minute game and then they lost they pulled him and they figured that out and I'm glad they figured that out which is at least a little bit of a silver lining to an ass kicking. Yeah, um, the only thing I would say about this game that like I would take away from because I really you know I mean. Teams are allowed to have bad games, especially a Mavs team that has been winning. Like, I mean, basically since the All Star break, they've been on quite the run. They, I mean, they, I seriously think they're they were due for for a bad game. Okay. Um, but the one thing I'll take away from watching this game uh, is just how fast Memphis played. Ooh, and I know okay. that I know that can maybe get them in trouble with with some turnovers. Uh, they had ten, which actually you know is not a bad number tonight. But they. The way they were just so relentless on the offensive and defensive end, they they felt so reactive, like they're just getting the ball and they are pushing. And then when the other team gets the ball, they are up. They are up on you and they are guarding you as physically close as they can without fouling, it feels like. Uh, And the Mavs are kind of like the opposite. They walk the ball up the floor and then defensively they are a passive team. They kind of, they're, you know, they're much more scheme driven in the sense of, they kind of allow guys to go to spots and shoot because they, they play the odds while the Grizzlies are just like, we're not going to let you go anywhere. Like that seems yeah. to be their defensive philosophy. Not we're going to let you go to the bad spots of the floor. And shoot. We're just not going to let you go anywhere. Uh, yeah. They had 11 steals. Um, the Mavs of course were particularly sloppy with the ball. And that happens when you basically only have one guy that knows how to handle the ball. 
uh, on offense. But well, and then he seemed to have lost the ability to handle the ball. Yes. Like Lucas' turnovers <laughs> were devastating. Live ball turnovers. He oh, yeah. dribbled one off a dude's foot walking up the court. Like just some of the stuff that he did. It, it it's and it, it bleeds down. Um, I mean, the Grizzlies had 23 fast break po- or, uh, points off turnovers, I think. Where was it? I was looking at it just a second ago. Um, yeah. No, that's assists. What did they have? Oh, no, it's points off turnovers. Yeah, the Grizzlies had 23 points off of turnovers. That's wild. Yeah. And then 21 to 6 fast break points. Mm-hmm. Um, just I'm just envious of that because Luca's skill set, you would think, would thrive in a more up and down game, obviously he needs to get in a little bit better shape so that he can play that, that style. But I mean, he's such a gifted passer uh, that you would think getting him in the open floor as much as you can within reason would be the goal. But I mean, it's not like, I know people are like, ah, oh, you're just bagging on, but like Luca likes to play like, like Luca likes bringing the ball up. Like, but don't make this into a, a, uh, you're just pissed at Rick again. Or yeah. whatever, you know. I obviously Rick likes to bring the ball up, and he's methodical with his play calling. But uh, Luca definitely uh, is the driver of that, I think. Because I mean, honestly, if Luca wanted to bring the ball up the floor faster, he I could. Don't think Rick, yeah. <laughs> so right, uh, and they don't really have the horses to run either. I mean, Memphis has Memphis has a lot of a lot of guys that like to get out and run and dunk and and and, and things like that so that helps as well so I just you know that's the main the only big picture thing i'm just a little envious of of that the the play style difference but you know i'm not trying you know the mavs aren't doomed they were they were due for a bad game i'm yep. blaming uh mavs.com's bobby corolla for, oh my God. for tweeting about the mavs defense being uh being okay and then the mavs defense uh played like uh donkey doo-doo um I, I I appreciate Bobby for still fighting the good fight when I brought that up to him on Twitter and talking about how the Memphis still. Oh, we're going to talk about that. I almost want to talk about this with him because <laughs> okay. this is not the internet is not a good place to have this conversation. So I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it over like direct message because he had a line and he said it to me again. The Mavs defense has had good rules all along, and like I'm like my brain reads that is the road like like you know the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions like what are we talking about like what <laughs> what the hell are good like the teams have bad rules like what are we talking about so it's I'm, I, you know and he makes a good point about the long twos there's a little bit of that but like today you know you, you can't look at defense in a single game when you're talking about season long stuff I get it but it's just yep. like what a bad time to talk about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it was just it, like I'm teasing him. I'm not sure oh, yeah, to yeah. say he was wrong. It's just funny that the day he tweets that uh, Memphis goes 57 from the floor, 48 on 38 percent on threes on 33 attempts. Uh, they made 16 of 33. Well, let me be it was clear. Just I also think he's wrong. I just want to understand. <laughs> I want to understand some more because. Like, I don't know how we judge this Mavs defense because they, they just have – I mean, it's almost like a month-to-month iteration where, you know, January they're bleh, February they're outright terrible, March they're outstanding, and April they're back to bleh, and then May they've looked okay. Like, I don't know how to judge them, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and you're not you – I, I don't think you're the only person saying that about their team's defense this season. Um, I think me and you have read – uh multiple smart pieces about how the three-point shooting uh, barrage has created so much variance in defensive performances performances, and trying to get a read on how good a team's defense is because you know Memphis shot 16 or 33 uh, if they if the Mavs played the exact same defense and this team played tomorrow like what if Memphis shoots 
10 of 33. You know, right. like, and Different that's game. within the realm of possibility because three-point shooting is not as reliable as, as stuff at the rim. Um, but I'm not trying to excuse the Mavs. You know, they gave yeah. up they gave up a lot of dribble penetration uh, and Memphis got a lot of open shots, even if, you know, they made a lot of shots from the eight to, to 16 foot range. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think the thing that what Bobby's talking about, you know, the Mavs like to play, like we know this, they want to force teams to shoot spots from the bad spots of the floor, like the inefficient spots. They don't want to give up stuff at the rim. They want to give up stuff. They want to basically dare teams to shoot as many mid range shots as possible. And it's not, like that's not like a bad philosophy. Obviously, I think the thing that but irks me the most about how the Mavs play defense is not that they do that specifically or that that's their mantra. It's that it almost feels like that comes at the expense of playing like an aggressive, reactive defense. I mean, I could be off base, but it just feels like the Mavs allow a lot of dribble penetration because there's part of their what they drill into their scheme is hey, it's okay to let this guy get near the free throw line and shoot a jumper or get, you know, a little, you know, 16 feet and shoot a jumper. So when you're at the point of attack, it's not necessarily, I need to stop my guy from getting by me. It's, I just need to make sure my guy doesn't get to the rim. So I need to, you know, I don't know, make sure my, my help defense meets him there. It's just a lot of like, I feel like that makes the Mavericks defense way more passive and they kind of just rely on odds and numbers and hoping that teams miss shots from that, those bad spots instead of going, Hey, we're just gonna guard you as hard as possible, and nothing's gonna be easy from any spot of the floor. But then again, this is a freaking condensed schedule, and I'm yeah. sure playing hard, competitive defense this season is a struggle for everyone. Right. I don't know. Well, that brings me. There's two more things I want to hit on, and then we should go, just because we could continue to talk about a loss like this forever. <laughs> One thing I'd like to note is that it's very like Dorian Finney-Smith and his shooting cor- correlates to the Mavericks winning by mm-hmm. a kind of frightening margin, mm-hmm. and they won their last two games against the Cavs, but if you include those games in this game, in over the last three contests, he's one of 15 from three, and he was due for a regression. He just, you know, man's not going to shoot 50% from three forever, but it's just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, we knew this. This was something Jonathan Chark said to me uh, last year. It's like the Mavs are going to go as far as Dorian Finney-Smith takes them. And, you know, I, I would love to see a game where both he and Tim Hardaway Jr. hit at the same time. It just doesn't seem like it's ever happened. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye out. And then the last thing I would like to talk about, and, and you know, then we can talk about anything else you want to hit on, is I, I people are going to be understandably mad at Rick Carlisle for not playing Josh Green because Josh Green brings some energy to the floor. Offensively, Josh Green would have added nothing to this game because, number one, he can't shoot. And number two his his dribbling and passing and some of the things he's been doing lately memphis swallowed swallows him not him but like what he does up uh he he got he was in in the fourth quarter and tried a couple of things he's done in previous games only to run into defenders like a step and a half earlier uh than he's seen because the Cavs are terrible they're just not a good you know ballpark but it's it's just something to kind of as he continues to figure out how to play with the mavericks it's something to keep an eye on we're figuring out how he can adapt to the speed of the game and to what other teams are doing because he's still like trying to play. He's, he's such an instinctual player, which is what I like about him. But like at some point the game, you know, will slow down for him. Won't be this year, but he, I don't know. Do you know what, is what I'm saying makes sense? Like I get why Rick didn't play him though. I wish Rick would have just because he brings that spark and they look lifeless for long enough. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's a there's a big difference in playing Cleveland back-to-back games and playing a Memphis team that is 
desperate as all get out to not be in the playing tournament or at least not be in the ninth spot, you know, at least right. get into that eighth spot. So they only have to win one game to get, to get out of it. Uh, but I mean, he, you know, you look at his game log and it is kind of funny, you know, 12 minutes against Memphis, both of them garbage time. And then he had the two big 20 minute nights against Cleveland. Then before that, Brooklyn only played eight minutes. Right. Uh, and then before that played Miami and, you know, he had that really good game and that only seemingly happened because, I think Rick was at his wit's end after that first quarter. Yep. Um, so, you know, against good teams, he's probably not going to, you know, you look at his minutes and uh, most of his big minutes are coming in either blowouts or against subpar teams. So if you follow that pattern, and I mean, if you've been watching the Mavericks since Rick Carl has been in charge, it's not surprising that he did not play a lot tonight. Um, and I understand it, uh, but I'm with you. Uh, I think the writing was on the wall you know, at least in the second half. And then that third quarter, they just got absolutely drilled. And, you know, when teams getting drilled, it's not necessarily that I think Josh Green is going to do anything. It's just like, eh, try something different. This isn't working. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of sucked that the try something different, it's not working, that Rick pulled, because he did do this in the third quarter or fourth quarter. I can't remember. It was third quarter. Uh, but his his wild card move was not Josh Green, but uh, Boban Marjanovic who played five minutes, I believe all of them were in the third quarter, and was a minus seven in those five minutes. And holy crap, did Memphis attack him with a ruthlessness and veracity and quickness uh, that was just honestly kind of hilarious. Like, he checked into the game and immediately John Morant goes into a pick and roll and, and scores on him. Yep. Uh, in the lane and it was just like it was curtains i think you know he had one you know he had a layup but then a rebound but that's about it that was rick's wild card move because i think at the time memphis's tallest player on the floor was brandon clark so rick was probably thinking hey maybe boban can can just get some dunks or something and memphis will miss jumpers on the other end and we'll get back into it but uh yeah, that was that was a bleak five minutes of, of basketball there when Boban checked in. Which is did amazing. I talk about the the Grizzlies and their drafting? Did I do that? <laughs> yes, you okay, did. Good. You talked about how they utilize they seemingly draw everything they can from their draft. Selection. I mean, John Conchar, who I know because a friend <laughs> of the program, Brian Trader, formerly known as Cosmos, has been rambling about Conchar for years. Dude was a plus thirty six. Like, holy crap. It was pretty Ugh, good. Anyways, Memphis is sorry. hilarious. Mem it is amazing how much Memphis is draft Twitter. Uh, <sighs> they pick all of the favorite guys. Well, it's just like, like I'm still mad about Clark because I got shit on for being like, ah, <laughs> oh, the Mavs, did. he'd be a great Mav with Luca, And everybody's like, huh? And it's like, well, just imagine, again, imagine, like, you switch out Luca and John Morant. Oh, my God. The Grizzlies are a murderous team. Ooh, that's, I mean, I, it, that's a spicy take. I don't think I mean, that might be Morant's awesome. He's just he's still six two. Yeah, no. I don't know. Whatever. This is just one of those games that's going to frustrate me because I'm worried about them for the future. Yeah, I know, but they'll probably well, you know, just if they get tomorrow, it kind of erases uh, yeah. tonight. So we'll just well, we got to hope the they got to get lose. tomorrow. Yeah. The Lakers need to lose tonight, and then you know we got to hope about stuff with Portland losing too. So, yep. all right, well, this has been fun. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. Uh, Josh Richardson played another game where he didn't shoot a negative a million percent from the floor, so I guess that's something to build on. Excelsior! But... <laughs> that's that's the high note that we can lead on. Lead on. All right, well, we'll be back tomorrow night because the Mavs play the Pelicans. And for those of you who like the locker room, I'm going to tack it on to the end of this podcast. 
Please rate, rescue, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. This has been uh, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe with Mavs and Moneyball After Dark. Group Therapy is coming up next. Hello, friends. Welcome to Group Therapy. This is Kirk Henderson of MavsMoneyball.com. We're coming to you live here on Locker Room, and we're here to talk. We're here to talk because the Dallas Mavericks just kind of, uh, they got the ass whipped is is what um you know as, as what 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 first comes to mind and we're here to talk it out we're here to be frustrated we're here to look on the bright side if anybody wants to do that um i'm sure people are kind of expecting me to come in hot and heavy and i don't know um i don't know how i feel about this one because i've kind of had this one circled for the game that if they were to lose one this would be the game uh, the Grizzlies are a pretty good basketball team, is the thing, and and they've had a lot of injury luck. They're a a you know Luca is better than Ja and Ben Jaron Jackson, but outside of that, the Grizzlies might have the next. They have a lot of talent, is what I'll say, and they should be we we should be scared of them as Mavs fans for the next several years. So just kind of something to keep in mind. We can talk about all their guys. We can talk about the things that frustrated you. We can talk about any hopes for the future. Um, this Josh Bow and I just recorded a podcast where I, I made the the point of Luca needs to show up for games that aren't on on you know primetime games. Uh, he he looked like ass from the get go. I'm glad he wasn't hurt from that you know ECW style fall. Uh, so we'll see where we go. Okay, coming up first we have Jordan. I'm going to give you a second here, Jordan. Jordan, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing okay. This was a very frustrating loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um just to be honest, uh Luca really hasn't shown up for like a week. And Tim Hardaway and uh Dorian have kind of covered it up, but he hasn't really shown up for a week. And uh it's time for him to get back into playing good or we're in trouble for the playoffs. Well, I mean, he plays well under the bigger games. And, you know, I'm looking at the box scores right now. The Lakers and Knicks are going to be, a, you know, a knife fight. And if the Knicks are able to put the Lakers away, and frankly they should without without LeBron, um, that gives the Mavericks back the game they just lost. I'm, you know, in my head I'm more worried about falling in uh, falling into the um, play-in tournament. Though if I'm <laughs> allowed to be a wishful-thinking fan – being the fifth seed is much more enticing than being the sixth seed uh, just because of the bracket. And so, you know, I'm yeah. going to be thinking about that because I, I'm pretty sure they're going to lock up not being in the play-in because the next three games, the Pelicans probably haven't conceded just yet, but maybe they should. And then after that, they're playing two teams that are mega tanking. So uh, just a quick note, I'm looking at the chat and I realized I said Dorian. I meant Dwight uh, for everyone freaking yes. out that I said Dorian. Yeah. I meant Dwight. Um <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize that. Uh, Dorian's a crisp one of 15 from three over the last three games. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's frustrating. Like I kind of knew we were going to lose this game. Um, And that's frustrating to just know from the beginning. Um, Because this team, we don't have any uh, hustle guys outside of Dorian. Um, Dwight. And we have, but Dwight we have was jo- Dwight was like angry, dangerous limbs, like Jeff Hardy style. Yeah, tonight. he was he was weird oh. tonight. 
he was weird. And, you know, and we, we have Josh Green, I think, kind of does that too, but he doesn't play enough for it to affect. Yeah. And it just like it just felt like there were so many uh, 50-50 plays that didn't go our way uh, at the beginning. So it was just like one of those games where, like, we just knew kind of from the beginning we weren't going to compete. And so I just was a little frustrated. I It was even worse. I had to watch the Grizzlies broadcast. Um, and so that made it even worse because their broadcasters were kind of uh, horrible. Yeah, so I didn't it was mind just one of those. Much. I I was not oh, a no. huge fan of the uh, slow mo for. Oh uh, yeah, that was pretty rough. Yeah, slow mo be, <laughs> being you know how how he's basically a superstar. Um, and I love slow mo. Um, I actually, the only games that I've been to in the past couple of years have been Grizzlies games, and so. Uh, I absolutely love slow mo, and it's just a lot more fun to watch him when he's not playing your team. Um, sure. <laughs> to be honest, and uh, yeah, it was just it was one of those games where I just knew uh, it would have been fun to be in that arena. To be honest, because Jaws really fun to watch, um, and they just play with so much more urgency than Mavs do. And I just wish we could get uh, just a few people who actually would compete every game sure. on the defensive end. Uh, sure. just a little bit more. And I think that would kind of change the, the tone of the team a little bit. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. Because you could see think Luka trying to get it going in the second quarter, and he just couldn't. He couldn't do it. Right. It, 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 yep. You know, he needs to learn to bring it. And, you know, he, he, he had that pink face look for the entire game, which really made me wonder if he was out partying. I have no idea. I mean, mm-hmm. Memphis, is a hell, Memphis is a hell of a town to go out in. I'll tell you that much. Um, but right. I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, weird. I, I think you're right. It's just that, you know, the chat's kind of talking about this. Matt's talking about this in the chat. It's just one of these that we're going to have to kind of, kind of move on from, I think. Yeah. And I think we've only had like seven games of practice or seven days of practice all season. I think I read that somewhere, which is insane. And it, this is one of those games where if you're not practicing, you're going to make stupid mistakes. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean, the Grizz shot well. Um, um, friend of the program and Mavs.com uh, employee, Bobby Carilla, chose a heck of a day to talk about the Mavs defense, and then they got 130 hung on them by the, the Grizzlies. <laughs> right. so, so what are you going to do? Well, Jordan, yeah. do you got anything else? Because I have somehow have like 13 requests. I don't know. This oh, doesn't let happen. Them, let them come up. Okay, you have a good night. Appreciate you. You too. Well, speaking of Jordan uh, mentioning, you know how he would have liked to have been at the game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring on uh, our, our correspondent on the ground, Xavier, who I think was at the game, weren't you, Xavier? I was, Kirk. Unfortunately, I was at the game. Um, I want to take this opportunity to shit on a couple of things and people. First, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. He's infuriating to watch in person. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody in one of those booths where the money's floating and they're just looking every. That's what that's what he called. He signed on defense. He has no idea where to go or what he's doing. And whenever he winds up in good defensive position, it's a thousand percent on accident. Just oh, yeah, right, he's, right time. Yeah. He Maybe has no ball IQ, and he apparently he doesn't have two functioning hands, which is tragic. Hey, I'm proud of him for making <laughs> it without two functioning hands. But it's infuriating as a fan of him um, to watch. Secondly, I want to shit on the city of Memphis. <laughs> there is nothing but despair and hopelessness. This is the land that God turns his back on. There's nothing in this godforsaken city. Wow. The barbecue is oh, yes, the barbecue is overrated. And you want to talk about depressing the ride from the airport 
to the hotel downtown, which is right next to the arena. It's just, it's like that land in Lion King where Mufasa told Simba, don't go over there. He was talking about Memphis, that dark area on the map. That was Memphis, Tennessee. It's a shit city and I hate it here. I can't wait to get out of here. And that was just, honestly, there was a lot of movement early on in the game, but they weren't moving with purpose. They were just, it just seemed like their heads weren't in it. And shout out to Christian. If you're part of the drinking game, they didn't play with energy. Um, so, and it was just, it was obvious. And then I honestly, it was scary because Reddick, as soon as he got hurt, he went straight into the locker room. He didn't look at anybody, didn't say anything. He just knew. So I'm assuming that his heel probably flared up. So I'm nervous that we may not have him for the playoff run. But man, just a depressing experience all around. But that's all I had, Kirk. Well, I'm glad you went. I hope you enjoyed it. And, and well, no, you didn't enjoy it. But I'm glad you got to go to a game. Getting to go to a live game in 2020 sounds incredible. And being mad about sports from a live game sounds pretty awesome. So I'm glad you got to do this. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely it was definitely worth the trip. You know, I don't get to see my team often in person. So it was definitely worth the trip for that. But I was expecting the city to be something it wasn't. Um, so sure. it is what it is. But yeah, man. So I'm sorry for hopefully it wasn't as bad on TV as it was in person. But I had to get out of there after the third quarter because the last thing I wanted was to leave the arena surrounded by thousands of Grizzlies fans giving me shit. So I'm like, you know what? I'll count my loss. Exit up. <laughs> That's what I, I preach. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. I hope you get home safe. All right, Kirk. All right. All right. Coming up next, we have friend of the program, Grant. Grant, what are you doing, my man? My, What's my, up, my What's up? You're, you're like 95% Mavs fan, 5% Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. So I might have to cut you off at the mic if you say anything. Yeah. Doing- well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. because uh, he didn't even play tonight. And um, let's see here. You, you want to hear a take? Do you want to hear a take that I just released <laughs> on the podcast that's going up before this? Oh yeah, what, I said Jaron Jack Jaron Jackson Jr. Once he figures is out, figures it out, is the player Mavs fans think. Dude, he's far and away better than uh, anything than <laughs> anything that KP could be. Well, I mean, um, dude, but... he's, he's got to play. <laughs> he's got to not foul out. That's he's true. Got to play. <laughs> That would help, and he's got to stop uh, biting on every block. But um, without him tonight, the, the Grizzlies in the last two years drafted uh, six guys who went 29 of 56 with 80 points, Ooh. 81 points tonight, and they went 9 of 16 from uh, three as well. So that's oh, yeah. what good drafting and, and everything uh, will do for you, and that's without Jaron Jackson. So, well, And, and J- Jonas Valanciunas, who, who chewed the Mavericks up in the previous game. I mean, Xavier yeah, exactly. Tillman – Xavier Tillman might be I don't know if he'd, he I don't know if he'd fit on the team but he's such a good post player and 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 defender in space and he's just kind of a you know kind of a scary guy to be quite honest like like yeah. I I knew the Mavs were going to draft him but my goodness is he just like they just have guys it it is it, it's, it's nuts to watch I mean Jonte Porter played oh my god yeah. like what in the world is happening Exactly. That's, I mean, that's what that's what happens when you. Uh... Anthony Anthony Melton was what you know. If if you look at the box score, you're like, who the hell is Anthony Melton? Well, for people who don't know, he's a second round guy who's kind of now coming into his own. Who's going to get a big contract, 
And he didn't have much of a box stat score, uh, uh, box score uh, impression, but he was a plus 23 while, while on the floor. Like just the, the Grizzlies just have guys who, who are impactful in ways that Mavericks players aren't. And, and I'm, I don't know. It's very frustrating for me watching them because I don't think the Mavs are, they were never in a position to draft a lot of these guys. It's hard to be mad about it, but it's just, when I watch like Tyler Bay and Green and, and then Bain versus like Bain, who looked like a normal rotation player, it's just like, man, come on. I don't know. This is very much like a sum of all fears game because, again, the Grizzlies shot 16 of 33 from, from distance. And, you know, when that happens, you're kind of going to. So what did Josh Bo say uh, when you told him that about Jaron to KP? I mean, like most people who I talk to about Jaron, the thought always comes back to of one, he needs to not foul so much. Um, yeah. But like Porzingis is, is uh, a reputation as a shooter is wildly overstated. He is not, he is an okay shooter. He is a good shooter for a seven, three person. That's a different distinction. But also, Jaron Jay- Jr. Sh- Jaron Jackson Jr. shoots 40% from distance. Like, that's yeah, a, that is a stat. <laughs> he knows how to actually dribble the ball. So when that well, situation dribbling, comes up. You know, no, the Mavericks no, he don't does. seem he to does. care about dribbling. No, they don't. But I'm saying he can as compared to, you know, KP, who he can't sure, even. Sure, sure. If he holds the ball anywhere near his, like, torso, it's getting ripped out by a guard. Sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That Jaren Jaren has the ability to put the ball on the on the floor and and take fadeaways and everything and and drive in easily. Yeah, and the attitude. I like him. Like like I like him. And so, yeah, he's great. So, you got anything else before you bragging on your guy? I uh, just nothing. Just next time you need to tell Josh Bo, uh, he's got to pay me for Halo lessons. Grant doesn't know. Okay, I will. All right, you be good. All right, we'll I'll talk try. later. Thank you. See you. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up next, we have Lyndon. Lyndon, how are you? Thanks for joining. Uh, can you hear me? I can, you son. I can, you son. Okay, thanks. Um, I just want to say this this game was obviously Luca was horrendous, but I think this game was also somewhat of Rick Carlisle's chickens coming home to roost. Uh, I don't think like, and I argue with my friends and people all the time. Like, Luka has the highest usage rate in the league, and we watch this movie in Houston. If this is the plan, right, where he has the ball all the time, one, if he has a bad game, we're certainly going to lose. Two, he's going to flame out every single year. We the, 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 the OD usage rate is not anything that has any type of viability. And I'm sorry, I know Xavier was wonderful. All these other guys were wonderful. I'm, I, I just... I'm more like really disappointed in the effort, but also the process. We got here for a reason, and the process is flawed. Usage is bad, and if Luca has, like, our team shouldn't be that way. Where if one guy has an off night, we're essentially screwed. It's it's tough, man. It's really tough. Well, I mean, Ben, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to butcher Ben's last name, who writes for our site, wrote about loose usage about three weeks ago, and it is, it's unsustainable, but it's something that's also probably not fixable right now. They've been trying some different stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he was so. I think the thing about Luca that that we and probably Carlisle to a degree has come to rely on is Luca very rarely has bad halves back-to-back. 
If he plays poorly in the first half, he shows up in the second half. He took that bad fall. Um, you know, he missed that one off the front of the rim in the first quarter. That was just like, it felt like that might've been the game, like right then where he was wide open and he missed it. He left it short on the rim. Like he took somebody tweeted me and said he took a two foot shot and left it a foot short. And that was just kind of how the game went for him. And I I don't know. It's big picture. I think it's something the Mavericks have to figure out because I would like to see him playing with a stronger ball handler to where he could do, he could kind of assume the Kyrie Irving on the 2016 Cavs role from time to time, like freelancer and like terrifying guy off ball, like getting the ball in ISO situations, things like that. But I don't know if that's ever really viable, but this season, they're kind of going to go as he goes. Um, Porzingis comes back tomorrow. They'll start to figure out how to integrate him in with what they're doing. Uh, coming off a loss is obviously a deal. But, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, Dwight Powell and, and Willie are ever really going to be feasible for more than like 12 to 15 minutes a night. So it's it's probably for the best that they start to get this figured out a little bit with some weaker teams. Yeah, I... Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm just like really frustrated because this is something I've been harping about from the beginning of the season. Just how I just don't like like I I love watching the Miami Heat's offense because despite Jimmy Butler not being a plus shooter, Bam Adebayo not being a plus shooter, the movement of the entire team generates just layups and hockey assists. Like the offense with Luca, it's it's Luca to want to another to somebody in the corner or at the top of the key, or a drop-off, and it, there's no, like, you're not making the defense work. And I remember Kobe, Kobe and T-Mac were witnessing James Harden score, like, 40 a game and doing everything. And Kobe looked at T-Mac and Richard Nichols and said, it's, there's nothing that this, – this is not going to take us take them anywhere because the, um, having an offensive play with the ball all the time it allows the ball to always be in front of the defense. And when the ball is in front of the defense, it's much easier to defend. So, honestly, I just think what, what, what has been built up this season is for sure going to lead to a first-round exit with, because it's, it just, it's, it's too easy unless Luka is in God mode, which is tough on any human being, especially someone who came in the shape that Luka came in. So he has to be on God mode every game of the playoffs for us to do anything. And it's just so disheartening, man. Rick Carlisle, I, I don't know what happened. Like, this is not Rick. Well, I mean, yeah. Steven Silas was a big the offense last year. There was a lot of little off-ball wrinkles. They brought in this guy from Utah, and I remember my eyes being kind of raised at that. Send him because home. Because I, I don't remember thinking anything in Utah's offense was particularly interesting. But – I don't know. They also need to kind of come to grips with, with with Luca as well, and I'm not sure if that happens now or later. But he has to sort of fail at this as well. Um, but as to my point earlier, where I'm kind of whining about the Mavs and the like talent level, even though I don't necessarily think the talent disparity between the Grizzlies and the Mavs at the minute is like that far off. But the like the the what the Grizzlies players could become. Is, is a lot different than the Mavs players as they have them now. Almost everyone on that roster is who they are. Their potential. Uh, cap. Right. Cap. Yeah. Which, I mean, they're good, but it's still, there's cap. So I think that matters. But, well, thank you as all. That's it. I just wanted to say 
this group therapy thing is just a great idea because I'm in the gym parking lot about to go work out because this was so frustrating. But I feel already lighter just getting it off my chest. I feel so much lighter. Yeah, it's like saying it. Like, I used to get on Twitter and argue with folks and be an asshole, and I still do that. Just make no mistake. But I I just – I feel a little better. I go to bed. I'm like, okay, I've talked this out. And, like, my wife was so tired of hearing me talk to her. So it's nice to talk to other people that actually give a shit about what I have to say. So uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, Lyndon, I cut you off. My bad. All right. Um, I'll, I, I'm sorry about that, Lyndon. That was my fault. I'm, I got sloppy with the controls. All right, coming up next is Ike. Ike, how are you? What's up, Kirk? How's it going, man? Eh, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I was really, like, crying but um, what Xavier was saying. But, yeah, you know, I, I think... You know, as Mavs fans, you know, we, we got to, you know, remember that we're in the real world. They're not going to win every game. So um, certainly if you were thinking about any game uh, remaining on the schedule, that was a potential loss. It was probably the Memphis game, especially the whole karma factor, because we basically stole one last time we played them. But the, with, with that being said, I think the, the frustrating thing is, is that I just don't like it when it seems like, you know, of course, you know, you're not going to win every game. You know, sometimes the ball just doesn't go through the hoop for you and all that. But I just hate the fact where it seems like just the, the team is just your opponent is playing harder than you. And again, we understand that they're professionals and given the condensed schedule, it, it's tough, you know, uh, to get up and, you know, <laughs> give your all in and all that. But I think that's just really like the frustrating thing. And you kind of pointed out, it's like, you know, that the, the talent gap between uh, the the Grizzlies roster and the Mavs roster is not that great. Um, There's certainly arguments to where someone could say, hey, the Mavs have a better roster, and someone could say the Grizzlies have a better roster just based upon how they've drafted. But I think just from that standpoint, that's what's really frustrating. Um, And Lyndon kind of made some good points, um, but, you know, about, you know, our offense being so Lucas-centric, essentially. But it's kind of like, hey, we've made our bed. We we have to lie in it for this season. And hopefully, um, (laughs) fingers crossed, they'll properly address that by getting maybe an additional playmaker or two. But I do want to kind of shit on one player that just drives me insane on the Memphis squad, and that's Dylan Brooks. Um, He's great at that. He's great. If he were on our team, we would love him and go to battle with that dude. But Are you he's sure just, about that? He's, yes, yes. Because imagine that dude is a shooting guard next to Luca. He would have his back. He would he would drive other players nuts. I just okay. The Mavs need a dude like that. But I get like he pisses me off too. Like it's yeah. I, 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 he he reminds me of how I used to feel when I was like fourteen and watching the WWF and Degeneration yeah. X would come out. Like he gives yeah. me like like road dog vibes. Like just okay. uh, sorry. No, no, but, but but from that perspective, I, I, I agree with you. But I just, I guess from, it just drives me insane because, okay, on one hand, it's like, okay, you give kudos to him because I can't remember if he was a second-round dra- draft pick or if he was undrafted. But for him to kind of, you know, carve out, you know, a role um, in this league, given that he wasn't like a premium draft pick, you know, it's commendable. But he takes 
some of the absolute shitty shots that I've ever seen. Like he's the epitome <laughs> of his inefficiency. And it just I'm not a Memphis fan, but it just drives me insane. And especially when he makes these shit shots. Oh my god, it just it drives me nuts. But but you're right. He he's gritty and he's not afraid to kind of muck it up. And you know, we don't really have guys like that on our squad. So no. he can you know, he can be you know, a pest to, you know, for the other, other squad and stuff like that. And certainly he, he does his best when, or, or tries to do that when, when Garden Luca, but it, it just annoys me to see him play. Cause I don't, I don't think really he's that talented, but he plays so damn hard. So you, I mean, you have to kind of commend that. Yeah. And he's just on a, like, not to be like amateur GM, but they like locked him in. If you go look at his, 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 uh, his contract value, yeah. Like for what he's he's a he's a he's a steal. Like they they yeah, pay yeah. him a a perfect amount of money for what he does and he just brings a lot and he plays a ton. He plays like yeah, most games. And and I do, you know, like Matt Moore who I mentioned earlier is a Grizzlies fan and I'll just occasionally see him like talking about Brooks's shot selection and it's like, "Oh no." And it's <laughs> it just it, it it reminds me of like late career Wes Matthews with the Mavs where all of a sudden we'd be like, "No, what is happening?" Only he actually plays defense instead of doing what right. Wes did. Yeah, so. yeah. But uh, before I go to, uh, I'm trying to, I, I guess, help me comprehend this, and maybe you don't understand it either. I'm trying to understand what's with the Burke and Brunson lineups that Carlisle keeps throwing out there. Great take. Um, it's specifically to piss us off, is my expert analysis, because it's horrendous, and it's like watching two dudes who have tunnel vision and they stare yes. down the same two tunnels. They don't pass. They do dribble shake moves, and they pass yeah. only if they have to. Fourteen dribbles before they actually make a move towards the basket. It's it's infuriating, but I don't understand the purpose. I haven't looked at the stats to see, you know, what they produce while they're on the floor. But it can't be anything that's positive. So I'm not. I'm I'm really scratching my head as to why lately we've been seeing those lineups with, with them both in. I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of these things where it's like, why isn't Green playing? And I know Green's a forward, exactly. not a guard, but yeah. Green at least moves around. It's very frustrating. And then, but, you know, Reddick did get hurt. And so that probably played into it a little bit because Reddick was playing more with those guys. And then he just, you know, he runs so hard. And he, the, uh, I think Jared, who I'm going to bring up next, was talking about how he thinks uh, that, that uh, Reddick has bone spurs. Um, and it's it just, like you know, it. it's it's different. These were, like, they have ideas for their rotations and then things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I have, man. I know you got a lot of people. That nah, it's great. Up, Thanks for coming up. Just got to move on, man. I appreciate that's it. Right. On to the next one, which is in, like, like 20 hours. Awesome. All right, coming up next is Jared. How you doing, Jared? Yeah, good. Ruining my lunchtime. <laughs> I understand. Um, yeah, I don't think, not much you can take out of that schmozzle, I think. I think it's just, you put that down as one of those games. Luca played bad, and so they didn't really have any chance, because um, nobody else really stepped up. So Hardaway, I guess, played his, um, played right. well, even though he didn't seem to get that many shots in the second half for some reason. Um, yeah. No, he didn't. You're absolutely right about that. He was shooting a lot in the first. Yeah, but, um... The only thing I, anything I really confuses me about some of his rotations is they got they got Boban on the team and they're paying him whatever it is four or five million 
to um, keep Luca happy or something, I guess. Because um, they just don't seem to use him at, like, at any point. Um, that, that gives the team an advantage. So, like, um, they'll play to be average in the second quarter. Um, end of the first, Morant went to the bench. Surely that, you think maybe that would be a good time for Boban and with, with Morant not on the court to abuse him on defense. Yep. Um, right. Just to give the team, just to give the team a bit of structure and, um, cause they were just playing pretty random. Um, anyways, when he went in, the Grizzlies went fast and just abused him. I mean, it, it was, yeah, I get why they tried it. Yeah. It's cause Morant was still in, in, on the court. Like there's no way you can't put him in when like somebody like Morant, um, even like Chris Paul, you know, somebody that's not quite as fast but smart. If you, but if you're going up against the bench point guard, like you, you, I'm not really concerned. Like Jones is going to abuse him, so um, it's just yeah, I don't know. I just don't don't know why they're wasting a the spot if he's for him on the team, and they just have a few. Well, just I mean, it's a lot. This pointless. is the last year of his two year deal. I don't know if he'll be back just because I mean he is an older player too, and. You know, it's, 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 it's something, I mean, you know, we've not talked about like Maxi Kleba at all. Josh didn't talk about him at all in our podcast. This is his first game back. He played 14, nothing minutes. The Mavs got destroyed with him on the floor. Um, and it just like, they're, they're, you know, Powell, if Powell is your main functioning big man, you don't really, the Grizzlies just sort of exposed that with their, with a lot of their guys who are just like, trying to think the, the right way to describe them but they're they just have a lot of bruisers and and the Mavericks don't have anyone like that like Boban's yeah. big but he's not exactly what I would call a strength player he's he's still kind of finesse despite yeah well I think the major concern is because Maxi's like a shell of his his self from last year yeah um for various reasons um and KP that's just random at the moment and um, I mean Willie Collie Stein, I guess, played well. Um, he actually caught the ball, which was a bonus. Um, and had a, had... <laughs> He's gotten better on those alley oops. Yeah, but a few times he just forgets that he's seven foot tall. Like he gets mm. the ball in the middle of the keyway and then has two guards surrounding him, so he passes it out to the three point line. <laughs> it's just yeah. a bit weird. But um, the the the, the state of the the bigs. Is the major concern going into the playoffs? I think if you're going up against Jokic with these the guys playing the way they are, I can't see that that first round going very far. To be honest, Luke would have to. I mean, it depends on matchup. 35. Like I, I, Lyndon talked about this a few minutes ago, where it's just like Luca's going to have to go nuts, and I mean, Luca went nuts last playoffs. Like <laughs> you know, they're yeah. They, it's but even, like even I, if Luke, you need Kate, you need um Hardaway as well. That's true. The way things are going. That's true. I mean, Brian, I don't know. I'm I'm still not there yet. Like losses like tonight feel terrible, but it's anything can happen. Um, it, it, we'll probably have to talk about the playoffs probably more starting after tomorrow night, uh, just because tomorrow night will be clarifying. Um, but that's this team's just they have nights where they like you know they have nights where they look absolutely unbeatable, and then they have nights where they look like they can't beat the Kings, Rockets, or Thunder. You know. Yeah, but um, well, yeah, I guess it's just a roller coaster the last few weeks. Oh yeah, I mean um, it's this entire year. 
yeah, it's frustrating. But um, I mean, they're still obviously they're doing. What are they? Nine games over five hundred or eight games? So, Twelve. Is it oh, okay? <laughs> uh, Eleven now since they lost. Eleven oh, okay. games over five hundred. Yeah. So the start of the year, you probably you probably take that considering right. <laughs> That's absolutely were. right. So, <laughs> Even if they win their next season. three, if they win their if they win two of their next three, they'd be forty two and thirty, uh, uh, or two of their next three. Like they've just been they've outperformed my expectations while also not performing to my expectations. I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, <laughs> I think you just take the lumps. Yeah, assume that they, I mean they should win two of two of the next three at least. I think so and too. They get a break. Hopefully for a few days and uh, see what Rick can come up with for the first round. And if if they actually if they're shooting the three well, they'll have a chance. Yep. So it just seems to be the way of the NBA at the moment. If you outshoot the oh, opponent yeah. from three point line, you win. If you don't, yep. Yeah, you're probably going to lose. But, well, Jared, well, thank you very much up. for coming on. No problem. Have a good day or night. You too. <laughs> Bye. All right, we're going to fly through through some folks. DeAndrick, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. How about you, Kurt? That's good. That's good. So, basically, um, I just got two things. One, basically, the Mavs, watching the Mavs play against teams like Memphis, is basically like a movie you go to, you expect the movie to be great, and then when the movie's done, you just have this bad taste in, in your mouth because great actors, but bad, bad, bad uh, storyline. And the Mavs it. are the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that's what that is. But here's the thing, Kurt. Do you know which Mavs player finished with the uh, with a plus tonight? One player, Willie Cauley Stein. <laughs> I just know that I have the box door open. That's terrible. <laughs> and Luka Doncic had a very horrible night and finished with a negative twenty-three. Isn't that something? It's like he, it's like he went to a Memphis bar, got drunk, and decided to show up and play the way he just played sloppy. And that's not. That's not what this team needs. He cannot play like this, especially games like that matter. And I said it on Twitter. KP is coming back tomorrow night against New Orleans. And if this team loses with him back in the lineup with versus a team with no Zion, you have Brandon Ingram, and you're going to have Lonzo Ball, and they just ball out on the maps. I'm, I'm basically just punting this team away because they're going to end up playing at the end up going to play in the play in and they're going to get they're going to get beat and that's... yeah but they have to lose they have to lose basically <laughs> two out of their next three for that day. <laughs> hey, it 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 don't matter if it definitely gets the Warriors. No yeah. one wants to see the Warriors in the play in. No one wants to see Steph Curry in the dang play in. And the Mavs already have fought him three times this season, and in those three, Steph Curry usually is the main one scoring 40-50 on the maps. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. Um, but second thing is, uh, what 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 is your overall thoughts over this game in 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 one in one sense you can you could put it best as? Oh, I think I kind of led that to start the pod where I said that 
Luka Doncic, his next step as a superstar will be playing hard and showing up on the nights where he doesn't want to. Um, he's tired, I get it, but he had a day of rest, and this is this was disappointing because he the team goes as he goes. So it's that that is that's correct, and I mean I've just I, I mean I would say uh, Chris Stapps, but I mean you've already seen how this goes this season. He's played a few games. He's out fourteen, fifteen games. He's come back for two or three. He's out another twelve more. So I mean the jury is still out on him. But that's all I that's all I got for you, bro. Thank you so much. Sure thing, guy. You have a good Bye. one. You too. All right, coming up next, Brandon. What's happening, Brandon? Oh, I've got a rant for you, Kirk. So you mentioned this, uh, I think, either towards the end or the uh, or just after the game, how Memphis has a uh, has a very deep roster. I think Zach Lowe mentions that all the time too. I mean, they just have twelve plus guys that all you, you can confidently put onto a basketball court. Mavs maybe have like seven, and Part of that is the Mavericks organization just complete like negligence with throwing around their draft picks. Obviously, the two first rounds rounders for KP, I I agree with that even at the time. Um, obviously, the the one first rounder for Luca was a steal, but I mean, just take a look. I think it was what four second rounders to both get Delon right and then to trade him away, correct me if I'm wrong on that, because we traded Memphis two future second rounders, and then we had to trade OKC two more just to get off of them. Um, and, and then all on Willie Colley sign specifically. So back in, uh, it, it was the 2019 draft is what it was. We had that second rounder, I think it was like 37th overall. We traded back for Roby and got a future second out of it. And then we basically traded that for Willie Colley Stein. So I went to uh, I went to the University of Arkansas. So I actually got to see this guy play there. But Daniel Gafford was sitting there at 37. We could have just drafted him instead of having to do all these shenanigans to get Willie Colley Stein. And Gafford right now, I looked it up earlier. He's in he's with the Wizards right now. And in his backup, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night role that you know Willie is supposed to play. He's averaging like 20, 12, and four blocks per 36 minutes. Like, just the complete, like, I guess, inability or just nonchalant attitude towards the draft. And I get second rounders are not the most valuable, you know, thing in the world. But, I mean, Dylan Brooks was like 45th overall. Uh, Draymond Green. uh, I mean, hell, the MVP this year, Jokic, he was – like 41st overall. So like these second round picks are, you know, because the league is deeper than it's ever been. They're more valuable than they've ever been. And I mean, I just hate to see that we waste it all the time on shitty players like DeLon Wright. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the talent evaluation in a vacuum, I don't think is near as difficult as, people make it out to be when they're talking draft stuff, particularly having read, because you know what traits work on a basketball for what don't. The NBA is played a certain way right now. It just is. How those pieces fit together with other teammates is really what's difficult to figure out. But I understand your frustration. I get it. 
So, yeah, I just I've been thinking that because I cannot stand watching Willie like just go up and like yeah he made a lot of his shots tonight, but I mean there was one I don't know if it was credited as a miss or just a turnover, but I mean he went up so weak and like just got stripped on his way up, and then there was one he was standing in the restricted area and he's looking to pass out and throws it straight to Memphis. I mean, it just so bad at being just a pick and roll lob man. One one of the worst role men I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, and, and maybe I've just been spoiled by Brandon Wright and Powell and Tyson Chandler, but I mean, your one job is to catch the ball and dunk it and you shoot like 68% in the restricted area. That is Andre Drummond esque. Yeah. No, so. it's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the, I appreciate the frustration, Brandon. Thank you. I'll actually be at the game tomorrow night, so uh, maybe we'll have better luck than with Xavier. Absolutely. Good luck. I hope you get to go. I hope it's fun. Thank you. Thanks. For- All right. Talk- yep. Talk to you soon. All right. Coming up next, Mavrello. Mavrello, explain yourself. Kirk, how is it going? It's okay. It's okay. If you guys want to hear, uh, we've already been into this podcast for an hour and yep. hour. My wife just texted me and she said, our, our, our son is awake and terrified because he lost his first tooth and he's terrified of the uh, tooth fairy. So that's how my night is going. <laughs> um, well, that's probably better than what the Mavericks put out today. No, they're, 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 te- <laughs> they're terrified of, of, of the Grizzlies is what happened there. So Yeah, I mean, they, we've already hit on a lot of the negatives. I think some of the positives, you know, we play tomorrow night against the Pelicans who – are pretty much out of it. I mean, there's still hope, but without Zion and Ingram, I mean, you know, it's pretty right. much for them. So the Mavericks should, knock on wood. You know, I figured that probably the Cleveland would have had our number. So at least losing to a pretty, you know, interesting Memphis team is really too bad. I mean, yes, we lost by 30, but, you know, it's a team fighting for, you know, to get where they need to be too. Um. I mean, really, it was just not really a lot to take from it. Like I said, the best thing is we play tomorrow night. Um, maybe we want the Clippers. That's going to be a hot take because we're practicing our flagrant two fouls, I can see. Yeah. So when we get our Clippers matchup, you know, they don't hand us the business and, we, you know, we can knock out Rajon Rondo maybe. Who knows? Oh, that's a good oh, I like that one. Good angle. Good angle. I, yeah, I'm just I, saying. You know, it's just interesting to watch all these teams because, like, you know, we don't know. I mean, is the Clippers matchup better than Utah matchup or Denver matchup, you know, with Jokic or maybe Kawhi and Paul George? So maybe, like, there's a lot of that going in, you know. I don't know. We'll just see what happens. But get back at it tomorrow for this being game 69 of the season was not very good. So <laughs> we'll just see well, how tomorrow goes, but I'll let other people go so you can get out of here and, you know, we'll just. No problem. Thanks for hanging up. out. No problem. Okay. Coming up next, we have Matt Phillips. Uh, not great, but I feel like we're overreacting to this. This really is just one of those games. Um, I have a couple thoughts. Um, on Trey Burke and the Trey Burke and Brunson lineup, so I was looking at a lot of on-off stats. 
uh, when Trey Burke plays with Luca on the court this year, his true shooting percentage is 61.8%. And when Luca's not on the court, it's 49.8%. When he plays with Jalen Brunson, it's 49.5%. And when he plays without him, it's about 62. So basically just the inverse of those two numbers. Mm. Which, if you think about it, it makes sense. When Trey Burke wasn't playing with Luca, he was out of the league. And then he came back and he played with Luca and he looked fantastic. Which, if you can fight through the noise and look at a lot of the time he's played with Luca this year, he's still been effective. It's just we've put him in a role that he is not good at. The problem is that we have so many players that are reliant on playing with Luca, and there's only and we basically have no one other than Brunson that is built to play without Luca, and Luca can't play forty eight minutes a game. Sure. Sure. So, you know, I agree with the fact that they need they need another. I mean, <clears throat> the the trade two years ago that fell through with Goran Dragic would have been big because he sort of checks off a number of those boxes that you're talking about. Yeah, and I think one of the things with that uh, is just they want the secondary ball handler. I think they want to get Luca's usage rate down. Like, that's a goal. That's why they got DeLon Wright. That's why they got Josh Richardson this year. I think they just need to accept what kind of a player it needs to be, and it's not him. Like, that's not it. I've talked about it before. I want the smaller, more dynamic ball handler, whereas they want the bigger the bigger ball handler where they can essentially play all 6'6 six, six and above. Um, yeah. That's why we keep getting the DeLon Wright, Josh Richardson archetype player that is bigger but those guys are always going to be slower and are always going to need more time with the ball, mm-hmm. which you don't get when you play with Luca. So moving on away from that, this is a little less mad centric. The, the Jaron Jackson Jr. Stuff <laughs> y'all are overrating the ever loving shit out of that dude. If he played here, y'all would hate him. He's yeah. Because the timeline would be different. If, if like yeah. they wouldn't have done this stuff, they wouldn't, you know, that's like my problem with the KP trade. Is it, is it limits your uh, your margin for error. You become oh, a I, better team in theory. Like, if, if they acted fifth and somehow he had fallen to them, like, the Mavs would still be bad because big men don't develop at the same Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Like, and I was actually – that's one of the things I pushed for when I talked about uh, potentially trading, and it would be hard to do now, but trading KP for, like, Wiseman and the Minnesota pick plus cap filler – would have been that I thought it was a mistake to go all in on on while Luca was super young because he might not be ready to win a title essentially by himself yet, and it would make more sense to have other younger players. I think that's a mistake the Pelicans made with Anthony Davis is trying really hard to just be all in on winning right away. Um, you don't think the Mavs have done that though? That's how I feel. No, I that's do. Th- I no, I do think they have. I just think it was a mistake. I'm just saying that if Jaron Jackson Jr. was here we would not be as good as we are right now. Oh, of course. Jaren Jackson Jr. is not as good of a basketball player as Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, yeah, right yeah. Now. No, no. I, I, I've always thought of, of – of, think of it as Luca or Jaron Jackson Jr. in my head, where that's kind of where I've been on these things. Um, just because I just – do you remember the shot he made over LeBron to win the game? That it was a, it was like a rookie year game winner. I mean, he's just fascinating. And, and the health thing matters. You're right. I just kind of – when I when I look at when I look at Porzingis, and I, I mean, shoot, I, I led this podcast saying we weren't going to talk about Porzingis. I just can't. I'm just point right now today, and this could change tomorrow night if he comes out and scores thirty points. 
I find I am just at the point where the Porzingis thing is a failed experiment. So now I'm kind of looking at this of, all right, they had to do it. There's no other choice. Anybody that said otherwise is a liar. I wasn't in on it, but that doesn't mean I don't agree with why. Like, I understand why they did it. It's just very frustrating to this point in time to see this is where they are, you know? Yeah. Actually, that's one thing that I think this game is actually could be a blessing in disguise for is because now there's no chance whatsoever that the Mavs came in super hot until Porzingis played, and then he broke everything up. Uh, No matter what happens now, we're coming off of a bad game, and so hopefully there's a chance that he comes in tomorrow and we are more effective and it looks better rather than, you know, if we say we play this game and we win and everything's going good, we've won, like, I think at that point, 10 of our last 12 games or some, some craziness like that, and, like, 11 of our like our last 11 games that weren't against the Kings who are against <laughs> us the greatest team in the history of time so if that happens and then we come in tomorrow and we play KP and we force feed him you know 11 paint touches in in the first quarter and the offense bogs down and Luca gets frustrated and you know we score 97 points then we're all on here tomorrow night you know oh the team's better without KP find a way to salary dump him yada 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 whatever else and the team, while what we say doesn't matter, the team would have some frustration in that because it's it's only human for you to see all of that stuff. And so now I do think that there's a blessing in disguise that that can't happen. Even if they come out and struggle tomorrow trying to get KP reintegrated, that can't happen because we, we suck tonight without KP. So sure. that is something that, like I said, is, is a... Uh, is possibly a blessing in disguise. And I will leave you with one more Jaron Jackson Jr.'s overrated stat. For his career, Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> averages 4.7 rebounds and 3.9 fouls per game. Just going Lots to of fouls. There. That's like, that, yeah, that's my, my, my uh, Cooper, Chuck Cooperstein and I argue over that a lot. But all right, man, I appreciate that. Thanks for coming up. Okay. Bye. Uh, some homework for the crowd, if anybody wants to actually do this, is uh, we had a, we have an overseas follower, uh, Oded. Uh, sent me a a uh, chat tonight, or you know, a DM over Twitter, and he said, "I've noticed that the Mavs have started running these split cuts while the ball is uh, with Willie or Powell at the hand in their hands at the elbow. This something new." And the homework that I'm kind of wondering is, is this something that they'll run with Porzingis? Because Porzingis is a little bit mechanical with the ball, but he's not a bad passer. He's a willing passer, I think. I just think he chooses to do what he's going to do before the ball even comes to him. All right, so we have a couple more people, and then I want to go to bed. Uh, Christian, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I mean, frustrated. Um, you know. It's kind of the same thing. I was hoping we could win and I could mention this cool thing that I was thinking about earlier today that I think there's a decent chance, at least relative to other years, any of the bottom four seeds could likely beat any of the top four seeds, um, where I don't think that has happened in previous years. I could see the Warriors uh, beating the Jazz. I could see the um Lakers certainly beating the Suns I could see the Trailblazers uh beating the Clippers possibly and I could see us beating the Nuggets um you know I I thought that would have been a fun kind of discussion after a hopefully win but you know I think um I'm not gonna repeat the same shit about the energy I think everyone's kind of understood we didn't have that and you know Rick I for whatever reason um, you know, it's not surprising. This is something he's done with our with our rookies regarding playing time. But 
right. clearly the effort wasn't there. And when we were up, I think maybe eight in the in the late first or whenever it was, and then they came storming back. Like it, it was clear he could have been a positive, especially against some of the athleticism against the Grizzlies, and that just sure. Didn't make sense. Um, well, even if he wasn't, he wasn't going to be worse than what was on the floor. Exactly. And I think just that 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 boost of effort is so important. Um, and when he comes in, like, yeah, it just – it's weird. Every game when there's a pivotal point where we aren't playing with that kind of effort, uh, he kind of spurs things in a positive direction whether we win or lose. Um, yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's a, you know, I was extremely frustrated by Luca's just like the, the attitude, the body language, obviously he had a poor game and it's weird. It's like when he does get rest, like he played what, 44 minutes, the last two games combined, uh, had, you know, some days off, uh, between the Cleveland games and then between, uh, the Cleveland game and today. Uh, it's like when he does rest, he's pretty shitty shooting the next game <laughs> when he comes back. Like, have you mm-hmm. uh, remember against Minnesota? And then uh, I can't remember the the other game um, that I can recall off the top of my head. But it, it's weird. He, he, like, almost needs to play a lot. Um, yeah. and, and I think it gets back to your point, though, of, like, getting up for games – uh, that don't have eyes on it necessarily. Um, and I, I just think, like, just being honest, uh, I don't know if he can truly be the leader of the team in the, uh, I don't know, the spiritual leader, I guess. <laughs> um, and so I hope we bring in a veteran, but not just, you know, some veteran that's going to be on the edge of the bench, but, like, a good veteran, like, I don't know, Jay Crowder, like, like, I feel like a presence like that is so important, not for Luca just to, you know, have that on the team, but also to really pick his brain and, you know, just kind of be able to look at someone like that, the way they carry themselves, you know, whether it's getting in shape during the off season or, you know, it's like when we go down by 10, it's almost like I lose all hope that we can actually come back. Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just frustrating all around. If we come out and get a big win tomorrow, I mean, it looks like they won't have Ingram or, you know, Zion's obviously out and there's possibly no Stephen Adams either. Um, you know, we probably the complete 180 and it's like, look, we can we can do this thing, but it is frustrating to have the control of your own destiny and immediately thereafter kind of fumble it. Uh, Cause we didn't even play necessarily well against Cleveland. It was more so the fact that they're a shitty team. And on top of that, they were without like seven players. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Well, you want to hear me be an asshole. Here's me in a nutshell. I don't know. Maybe 50, maybe 10 minutes before the game was over. I tweeted this out. Um, somebody who had, uh, Matt Sullivan on Twitter had said, I've, I've never been more mad at Luca than I was tonight. And I tweeted and I said, he'll give uh, another, this is on me quote in the post game, which is great. Taking responsibility is important, but the next step in his evolution is giving a shit when the light aren't as bright. 
then this is Luca in the post game. This <laughs> that game is on me. I wasn't here I, myself. We've got to bounce back. But that game was obviously one of the worst I've ever played. I've got to be better than that. Like I just like at some point stop talking about it and do it, dude. I don't know, but again, he's 22, so how much of an asshole can I be about it, you know? Yeah, but I, I mean, it, it's almost the same thing. It's like with Rick, and you you can almost predict what a lot of these guys are going to say. Um, and I guess in an even worse sense, I can predict what KP's going to say after that quote he gave yesterday <laughs> that just infuriated. We're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk. I don't want to talk about it tonight, but let's let's see how he plays. We're going to give him a good game or two, and then we'll def- if we don't talk about it tomorrow, we'll definitely talk about it in the Friday locker room, okay? Yeah, that sounds good because – yeah, I, a lot of thoughts. It's already eleven forty-five. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you. You know, I appreciate you bringing me up as always, and uh, you know, hopefully, we're able to uh, bounce back tomorrow because it's it's a really important game. And you know, if we lose tomorrow, when you know we lose to the Grizzlies and Pelicans back to back without Triple J, Valanciunas, Grayson Allen, the Mavs killer. Uh, and then without Brandon Ingram, Zion, et cetera, uh, we're, we're going to need to take a serious look at what this team that was uh, on such a high coming into the playoffs would look like after something like that. But positive energy going into tomorrow, and thank you. Sure thing, buddy. Have a good night. All right, coming up next is Tyler. Tyler, what's up, my man? Hey, it's been a while. I've been uh, busy. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for joining. Of course. Um, so I got a couple of big picture things because I think we've all gotten the uh, juice out of this game. Uh, I have a friend who is a diehard Timberwolves fan, and uh, we better win these next two games if we need to win two out of three because the Timberwolves are playing sneaky well. Sure. They, I mean, at this point, there's no like they're kind of at the at the place in the in the standings where. One win or loss, it's a, it's not going to knock them out of a particular area or percentage wise, because since the the odds are kind of flat. Yeah, and like uh, the Timberwolves have played so good that they don't even own their pick anymore. They have to get the lottery luck to to even own their pick because they've won too many games. So uh, yeah, if it comes down to needing to beat the Wolves, it's not something that's uh, super ideal. And then. Um, so with Reddick going out, I know I saw a lot of people post like, "Oh, we're losing Reddick, we're losing Reddick." Like, is it possible to lose something you never had? Because I feel like we never had him. It goes both ways. I mean, it, it, he 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 showed enough to make me wonder if he was one of those dudes that like Rick would bust out in a starting role in the playoffs for like five minutes to start a game just to see if something different could happen. But it's very it's it's, it's frustrating, you know, losing him for a second round is kind of what it is. Um. Yeah, I mean it's better than James Johnson sitting on the bench and not playing. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And who? who are, oh, we gave up a Wando too. Like yeah, yeah, I mean it is what it is. Uh, okay, and then one last thing. Uh, I saw. I know you brought up Bobby Corrales' tweet earlier, and I saw you replied under it something along the lines of, "We'll talk later about if the rules are actually good." And I tend to agree that their defensive principles are not great, but I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. 
I mean, what, like, my thought, and, and I listen to our podcast, so I'd say, I'm going to say it to Bobby. I don't want to talk about it over DMs or over tweets. I want to talk to him about this, so I might have to have him on the show. What team has bad defensive rules? It's a, it's a weird take. Um, con- congratulations for the Mavs having, for believing in good defensive principles. I don't know. I mean, it, it's funny. The Grizzlies shot out of their minds tonight, so it's it's just, you know, what are you going to do? I I've just seen enough iterations of this team to not think that the team defense is particularly good because they, they, every night we get a different view. Well, you know, like, like from January, they're rough. February, they're terrible. March, they're outstanding. And April, they're blah. But then they're still kind of here. So I, I don't know what to believe. Like Josh talks about this in the pod. I hope you listen, you guys download and listen to the pod, but. He said he kind of feel like the Mavs' entire defensive structure is bent off of playing, is built off of playing a specific set of percentages. But in a playoff series, you don't play the percentages. Like you don't want to give up the Kawhi Leonard mid-range shot. Like it's just stupid. So I don't know. Hey, this is just one of those. I think that we're on from as we yeah, continue to talk. And that's exactly why I don't want to play the Clippers because he kills percentages. I don't watch those guys shoot three pointers. They're so good at threes. Ugh, just not. I. I, I don't. Yeah. Really, I don't want to play any team for the playoffs. Plus, the, just skip to the second. The round? Luka versus Jokic. The Luka versus Jokic storyline would be a fun first round. I don't care if we lose in five. That'd be a fun. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you, Tyler. Of course, y'all have a good night. You too. All right, coming up next, Lance. How we doing, Lance? What's going on, Kurt? Thanks for having me. Sure thing. What do you got? Right. I want to go to so, bed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm flattered that you stay up for me. <laughs> no. But uh, let's just paint a picture here. You know, ending the first quarter, Luca missing that point blank layup. I mean, obviously, all the Mavs sort of reacted at once. Uh, that brought me back to like, like late 2000s Mavs pessimism, like of just like after losing to the Warriors, just like, oh my God, like what possibly else could go wrong? And then like the the Mavs being 29-0 and or 28-30-0 or after leading in the first quarter, I said out loud and maybe I was being an asshole, but I was like, well, Luka just cost the Mavs game because they're not leading after the first quarter. And, you know, maybe even in that layup, like, I was like, man, there was no explosion. Like, maybe Luca's tired. I, I mean, you can say the same thing about any NBA player right now with the horrible condensed schedule they have to play. But, like, then the way they performed in transition, like, it just it didn't seem like they had it tonight. And I'm sure you've already talked about that. I kind of came in late. Um, but I just say that's what the Mavs are, are missing is, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I really think of what Tim Hardaway Jr. is doing is commendable. Like, he has shown that he can explode to the rim, although he will – would rather, you know, shoot the three, which is understandable, I guess, uh, given the history of his game. But I just I just think the Mavs are miss, missing that oomph. And it's it's very telling that they got beat by 30 to a team that is missing so many players that give them fits, you know. I don't know. I, I just had to get up that, that off my chest because I understand that it's okay to lose games, but to lose by 30 to a team that's depleted, it's it's not acceptable. I, I feel your frustration, man. I'm 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 not near as pissy as you would have thought I'd been for the whole game, just because of that kind of bad loss. But you know, I, I was I was glad they yanked Luca early 
so he could not, you know, grind out 38 minutes in a game they lose by 12. Yeah, and and it's funny that Rick finally put Josh Green in the fourth quarter just so we could say I put him in because it was kind of a little late for that. It's not like the rookie's going to give you a 21-point comeback or something, you know. And and I'm not here to poo-poo on Rick because I'm not one of the fire Rick guys, but it's just the that's me, that's on me games always kind of <laughs> frustrate me just like it does everybody else. And it's kind of like, well, you already know the mistakes you're making, but yet you're making them again and yep. again and again. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just ready for the playoffs already. I just it would be really stupid for them to have the top five seed, which I never thought they would get after the start, you know, in January, and for them to lose it and somehow like fall to six or seven and and possibly not play the Nuggets, which would be as crazy as it sounds, the most favorable round or a uh, team to play, even though they're going to be playing the MVP, you know, because they want to lose games to. A depleted Memphis roster, and and I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to lose tomorrow because we know that they actually play. They've been playing pretty well on 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 the second night of a back to back, as oddly as that sounds. So I don't know. I, I, just, I just that's all I got to say, man. I know you got to go to bed, and uh, yeah, whatever. Well, we'll do it again tomorrow night. Thanks for joining, Lance. Thanks, man. See y'all later. Thanks, Kirk. <clears throat> all right. Last but not least, my friend from Memphis. Well, covers Memphis. Sean Coleman. How you doing, buddy? Kirk, how are you tonight, sir? I'm okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, I uh, I honestly think that the end result of this game was more of great things coming together for Memphis, who needed a game like this, than it was really a meaningful thing for uh, the Mavericks. Uh, the Grizzlies, you're right, they shot out of their minds. It was a complete team effort. It was nice to see. But I will say this, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, he's a Grizz killer, but I think he's the type of guy to y'all's benefit just from seeing how he's played lately in this year. He's the type of guy that I really want the Mavericks to play the Nuggets for the Luka, um, uh, Jokic um, narratives and all that. But Tim Hardaway yep. Jr. is the guy who can really make a difference. In- uh, I don't think they have anybody. To go- I mean, granted, the Mavs don't have a single person that can Michael Porter Jr., but the I don't think Denver is the single person that will guard uh, Tim Hardaway because you assume the bigger the bigger like Denver defenders if they do play uh, the Nuggets would guard Luca yeah uh, you know because they just have they have enough crazy injuries so agreed I, I think that you're going to try to find they're going to throw Gordon and others at him and things like that but just as someone who's enjoyed seeing the progression this year it's been it's been a lot of fun with the matchups. Best of luck to y'all in the playoffs. I think that Luca is going to add another storyline to really boost his career off to be the next great one. So best of luck to y'all in the playoffs, and it's always a pleasure to interact. Sure thing, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. All right, dudes, dudettes, ladies, gentlemen. I'm going to go to bed eight minutes before I turn 37. Actually, I'm not going to go to bed. I need to post this to the site and all this sort of stuff. But uh, the Mavs are going to get a victory tomorrow because it's my birthday and they owe me. Um, we'll do this again because it's not like I have uh, family or friends or do anything other than Maverick stuff. Uh, we will talk in a few hours, you guys. Thanks for hanging out so long. Everybody be good. <laughs>